0: We're so glad you joined us today for the Larry Crowder Leadership Podcast. And with me today is my good friend and guest host, Merle Shank. Hey, Larry.
1: It's so good to be with you today.
0: Well, I appreciate you joining us today and enjoying the podcast today. And um, obviously, in this podcast, we talk about the little things in leadership that can be changed yeah. that can make major results. And sometimes they're bigger things, but often they're, they're smaller things. Right. And so we talked here just before we were coming on uh, about these new kinds of churches we hear about today, microchurches. And you yeah. said you got some questions you want to ask me about that. I do.
1: That. I do. So, Larry, you, you have been in the church world for... A, a long time. <laughs> a long time, yeah. So, and you have seen many fads come and go. And one thing that uh, you talk about is just this new type of a church that is emerging, and it's not like a fad that's going away. It, in Correct. fact, it's increasing, and we've just seen like an increase in demand for this type of church. And you call it a micro church. So, um, I mean, especially with what's happening in the world today, and so I want to ask you questions about sure. that uh, today in this podcast. So, let's talk about micro church. Um, it's getting a lot of traction mm-hmm. right now because of what's happening in the world with coronavirus and, and all of that. Uh, you know what has happened here in 2020 in the past. And so, tell me, what is a micro
0: church? <laughs> well, obviously, micro means small. A lot of people say house church. The only reason I like micro church better is because. All micro churches do not meet in houses, so sometimes right. it will be in a boardroom of somebody's company. Might be, I mean, a rural church that meets on a college campus, or right. wherever. But micro obviously means small, and what what's happening is, in a lot of ways, it's kind of going back to the Book of Acts. I mean, honestly. When we planted our first church, you know, 25 people back in the day, in 1980, right. I thought maybe, Merle, That's we didn't have the term microchurch, but I thought we might be called to be a house church and a network of house churches. We just didn't know. And then God led us into the whole cell group movement and, you know, led a mega church and started a church planning movement all that. Right. But initially, when we started, I thought maybe we were called to do this house church thing because I saw it in the scripture. I, I read John Wesley's journals. I saw it in the Methodist revivals. That's Okay. And then they had they were in these little class meetings, they call them. They're in these little churches that were reproducing, multiplying, leading people to Christ. And so I like the term microchurch personally. That is right. used a lot throughout the world right now by many who are involved in microchurch ministry.
1: So how does a microchurch work? I mean, you say you it's you see it all over the scripture, and I, I agree with you, sure. but I want to pull this out because some people don't. Some people right. have maybe never heard of this. Sure. You know, their idea of church is a two thousand member church, and you've had that. You, yeah, you've we did. seen Mm-hmm. you know, you're the church that you initially planted, sure. grow into those type of numbers right. and outreach and multi-campus mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. all of that. And yet you still love this model. Why is it that you love this well, model? Well,
0: I love the model because number one, the New Testament church in the scriptures, the first 200 years, was basically micro church. They met house mm-hmm. to house and met at home. You see that, see that in Acts chapter two, you see that in Romans. And, you know, Paul says, greet the church that meets in your house, you know, he says that to, <laughs> you know, to, to many people. He says to Philemon, on and on. And now, obviously, they met in the temple courts. They had larger meetings also. But the real focus was following the command of Jesus to go and make disciples. And so they didn't have necessarily have to worry about uh, all that we have to worry about today. And again, I love mega church because we I may pastor majors Mega church, you can do things you can't do if you're a church or just a smaller community church. And I love community churches where there's 200 people, 500 people, meeting on Sundays. I believe they should have small groups of some kind, life groups or something, so they can experience house-to-house ministry and experience making disciples and all that. But I, I've seen in, in the scriptures and church history, and today throughout the world, as I travel and get to the place of persecution, uh, I find that th- these microchurches are flourishing. I say probably most of the church throughout the world, especially in these nations that are having a really hard time, difficult time, it's mm. microchurch. It's these small wow. churches.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that would be, I guess, kind of the context with which the early church was birthed, exactly. right? I exactly. Mean, you had Judaism as the main focus of the Jews in Jerusalem. And, That's right. And, and then this this new church model just kind of springing up and people, you know, meeting together on the first day of the week instead of right. Saturday or the Sabbath. Right. and And... And they're coming together and they're just enjoying the presence of Jesus, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's kind of, I guess, how the church started. Really. It
0: is. And they were following the model of Jesus. Jesus had 12 disciples. He had, he had three disciples, Peter, James, and John. He had, the, he had the groupings of disciples. And then he had right. the 70. And then, I mean, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people came to right. Christ and Peter preached. <laughs> where they do? They said, you know, you go to verse 42, 43, 44, they met in homes. This is what right. they did. That's wow. all they knew. And see, I'm convinced it's the best way to make disciples. And number two, again, it can be through its own micro church or it can be through life groups, small groups in local churches. I want to make that clear. It's not one's better than the other. It's just it is a model that's springing up that, in some ways, got bad rap in the past. Mm. And I think there's a reason why, because honestly, a lot of people in, uh, I've seen over the last 40 years 50 years I've been in, in areas of leadership uh, they were reacting against the rest of the church well, that's ridiculous why wow. react let's just do what god's called us to do if God's called you to micro church do it with all your heart but honor mega church and honor community church and honor the pastors in your city and work together to see the kingdom but there's a harvest there is coming that's way too big for any of us alone we need every model of church to see it happen wow so let's uh, we're gonna
1: unpack that I think because I have some questions about that and how to make sure you're healthy and yes. all of that, but I want to, I want to find out from you first. When did you begin to get a vision for micro churches? Yeah. I mean, because back in when you were planting, yes. you know, you were the, the first church that you planted. There wasn't really any micro churches around. I mean, I'm not even sure that there was a lot of mega churches around this area. You know
0: what? Tell me sure. about that. Well, Where did you when, when I was a boy, just a boy growing up, and came to Christ as a teenager, uh, in my late teens, and got really right with God. To my knowledge, there were only like two or three mega churches in America that I knew of. I mean, there were Baptist churches. I think one in Indiana, and maybe one in Texas. There weren't many, right. and so there were most churches were a hundred people men in a building, church building, Sunday morning in your town or somewhere in your community. And in those days, you had Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, and a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Basically, that's what you had. And <clears throat> that's the way that your church was operating. Uh, but then we began to see, we began to, I, I found that after our church grew to a couple thousand, then we started a church playing movement. Some younger generation, and older too, but many younger, would come to me and say, we think there's another model of church. Now I knew there were people who had house church who were kind of mad at the church. It wasn't that. I mean that's you know, that's just wrong, you know. Uh, but and then we began to see in scripture and they study church history, really understood that these microchurches, this is another way to see the kingdom of God grow and be built. Yeah. And it comes to making disciples who make disciples and make disciples. The best way to train leaders is give them something to do. And if these are, in in microchurches, Mm -hmm. there's many more people who can be taught and trained to learn leadership principles who so can train others to train others to train others.
1: Wow. I mean, that's a good gold nugget right there, I mean, for this podcast, just giving leaders something to do. But you wrote a book about this. I did. It's called Microchurch Networks. It is.
0: Yeah, it just came out a few months ago. And I mean, I'd written a little bit on this 20 years ago and some different articles and a little book. But this thing basically is taking everything we've learned now in the last 40-some years on how microchurch works. This is a little book, uh, Church for a New Generation, A New Church Model, Always emerging to effectively reach this generation. And again, I explain in this book how that microchurch is one way to build, and we need all the different kinds of churches. Here's the analogy that I used to explain it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When I grew up, almost everybody went to the local school down. It was a one room schoolhouse or whatever. Or I mean I didn't go to one room school in my house, but my parents did. And then and but they went to a local public school. Basically, that was it. And then you had a few churches who started Christian schools. It was just okay. kind of a new thing. It's kind of starting to happen today. They're everywhere, obviously. And then I remember some crazy people. And this is, man, I don't know, 40 years ago, some crazy people. And they were called homeschool people. And they were crazy <laughs> people. I mean, really. They said things like, I remember one homeschool advocate said, if you send your children to a Christian school, you're going back to Egypt. I thought, What? To a Christian school, what do you mean? Because they were so sold on homeschool. That homeschool was away. way. Well, today, I can go to any church in America almost and say to parents, how do you train your kids? Some will say homeschool, some will say Christian school, and some will say public school. We did all three with our four kids because okay. we had to find what right. worked for them. Yeah. So, so how does that apply okay. with churches? Like, What is your analogy Here's here? Here's the analogy. There's three kinds of churches today. There's the And the, the, the one type of church is the community church. Most people are in community churches. A church that meets on a Sunday morning, and they've got a great prayer, they've got worship, the presence of God, they've got life groups, whatever. Awesome. And then there are those who grow to become mega churches. And and you know, that's usually over a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, depends on where right. you live in the world or in America. But there's this new model then, and I call it new, it's old as the Bible. That's microchurch. And these people are not mad at the rest of the body of Christ, but they're learning to reproduce leaders who network together and plant churches because people need Jesus. And right. some people will fit into a microchurch, others fit into a community church, some will fit into a mega church. I've seen people in microchurches end up in mega churches. I've seen people in community churches end up in micro. Churches. It's just, let's just see the kingdom of God grow and be built. So basically, So, so that analogy helped me understand how microchurches fit in to all that's going on today. So you've got the homeschool. You got public school, and you've got the Christian golden age. Three models. You have microchurch networks. You have you have mega churches, and you have community churches. Three models. When they can work together, you can see great blessing. Yeah. So I think
1: you talk about this in page twenty two of your book. Okay. But I want I want to because I, you know, I've seen people get hurt by yeah. the church or sure. wounded by the yep. church, and. Then they wind up going together uh, with other people who've gotten wounded. And it's like they, they kind of almost fellowship around this hurt or this yeah. pain. Yeah. And then, you know, the next thing you know, they're doing, you know, what they call a church or a house church. Or and we're they're
0: just mad at everybody together.
1: else. Right. And yeah. and so, uh, you know, and honestly, I've, I've never seen a group that started that way grow into health. You know, right. they, 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 they kind of just It's very hard. Mad. Very hard. So... Let's talk about this because so in as much as like what a microchurch is, Mm -hmm. what isn't a
0: microchurch? Okay, here is what a microchurch, a healthy microchurch, I'll say it that way, is not. Yeah. Okay. First of all, it's not people disgruntled at their church or disgruntled at their pastor and saying, well, we're going to go have our own church. That is not healthy. The seeds, whatever seed is sown in the first meeting, a man of God said many years ago, changed my life. He said, whatever seeds are in the first meeting, he said that you will be reproduced later on down the road. And so that's why it's so important to get the attitude right in the beginning. That's so they're not really disgruntled. It. Right. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, the second thing, that it's not an ingrown club who basically are not growing, and it's all ingrown, they're not reaching the loss. That's not a healthy microchurch. Number three, it's not an independent group or independent leadership unwilling to submit to spiritual authority, because you have a lot of that in the body of Christ today. And some people say, well, I don't want to submit to authority. I'll go, you know, we'll have our own church. Well, that's just crazy. That's just ridiculous. You know, that's just... You know, and not so many disbelievers authority. That's wrong. It's demonic. Sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. number four, it's the same people together year after year after year with no heart for the harvest. Well, it's not that. Okay. But healthy microchurches do have a heart for the harvest. They're praying for people peace. They're praying that, that this microchurch could send people out to start other microchurches. It's it's called by the Lord to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's a structure that helps to do that. Now can that happen in a megachurch with the proper small groups? Yes can happen in a in a community church it can but some people they have the freedom and again they're not paid by the church they're working a job somewhere they have the, the, another stream of income somehow but they're right. often led by real pastoral people who just love people and want to see them grow in god and, and then help them start their own churches and start their own ministry
1: so let's talk about the structure of maybe a micro church meeting or sure you know just like what what happens in a church, and and what what differentiates it between a micro church right. and a, a small group, uh, right. you know that maybe is connected to a, another church. Like
0: what? What's really the, the difference here? And and that's that's uh, a great question, Merle. Number one, these are true churches, so they have their own pastor. They have their own tithes and offerings. Yes, there's outside mm-hmm. accountability, but they have, you know, they have the, the structure of a true church. They have elders. So, it's, so the buck stops with the leadership taking care of the souls of the people in that church, so to speak. Okay. So that's, that would be the first thing. Uh, secondly, it's very relational. It's small. It can be. Right. Often they have food, and they often, I mean, not always, but often microchurches, they share food together, they share life together. In a way, that's probably over and above what you would have in other kinds of churches because they simply have more time to do that. There's not as many other kinds of meetings. Right. Um, okay. So I, I, I would also say that. And uh, and again, healthy, true microchurches, would have a real heart to train leaders to plant new microchurches. That mm-hmm. must be the heart. Now, we don't live in a perfect world, and there are a lot of microchurches, and they're, they're getting stagnant, and getting stale. But the heart would be the true heart would be from the Lord would be to start new micro churches and some of those can by the way become community churches they can yes that's okay there's freedom so I can I can hear I, I want to talk about something else I, I can hear the the
1: questions from pastors so I'm a pastor sure exactly I I just have to say that I believe in micro churches right so, I know you do but I know that. Uh, other pastors might find it hard to swallow. Yeah, And a lot of times their question is, well, how do you keep it from going weird? Like how? how what type of accountability yep. exists for, uh, and how does that work? I mean, if it's not a part of another church, if it's not under, uh, you know, a... Some people use the word covering or relationship or connection right. somehow. There has to be that kind of connection. There has to be some type of connection. So how do, leader, how do, how do leaders not go weird? And I know th- my opinion is that th- this isn't necessarily a very practical question because sometimes, most times they don't go weird. Right. But, but
0: they it can is a, and some
1: have. It is a concern that a lot of pastors come up with or mm-hmm. a lot of leaders of other
0: types of church talk about. Yeah, that's why it's very clear in the book and very clear in our teaching, our training. You know, we have a leadership school and we train leaders. Very clear that all leaders need to be under authority. You know, you know, I, I, I have the privilege of leading an international movement, but I have authority in my life. by people outside of myself and our leadership that I submit myself to. So all leaders need to be under authority. So, so that's why that? micro churches yeah. need networks. And be, and there's two ways to do that. So, tell us about that. Will okay, I, wait,
1: Unpack that because uh, be glad I to. think this is really important.
0: I keep hearing about new microchurches springing up. I mean, this week it happened again and people I don't even know about because it's happening throughout our nation. It's obviously happening throughout the world. But healthy microchurches will be connected to other microchurches and to some kind of, I might use the term apostolic leadership, you know, some type of leadership of overseas leaders and pastors uh, to help them work through not only difficulties, but have sound doctrine and to, to not go get weird, so to speak, not get into deception, so to speak. That's one way. Have a microchurch network. The other way is they can, I've seen this often happen in a healthy way, they connect to the leadership, the pastors, the eldership of a community church. Or of a mega church. They can so they can have small groups, but they could also if someone if someone says, I've got to do this real hard to really plant a church to be a church, that I'm responsible before the Lord for the people of God. Right. Well, guess what? They can do that, but then they're accountable to they can be accountable to the leadership of the church that sends them out. So there's different ways to do it. The key is do they have authority? Watchman he said many years ago, he said you don't have authority unless you're under authority. Mm. And I believe that's really true. So you have relational authority.
1: Uh, connection yes with authority outside so oh yes like what is is there a magic number of how many churches are coming together to be a network or
0: there's really not it? no there's really not you, if you have two or three churches you can start a network and it can, I mean there are networks I remember being in a in a, a country in Asia and there's, they said they have like you know a quarter of a million people in their network you know uh, so, wow. so there's you know all kinds of levels and, and on and on but uh, the key is that we all know who are those who look out for us you know in, in the Lord, you know, Hebrews, he had 13 talks about that. You know, those in leadership, they look out for our soul. Who's looking out for your soul? And when someone says, Well oh, I don't need that, it's just me and Jesus. I say, man, I would never want to be part of your church.
1: Right, right, yeah. Because that's... you're
0: not under authority. Yeah. But then the same thing applies to some community churches or independent. Exactly. And yeah. some mega churches are independent. So it's not just a microchurch issue. and that that I think is a
1: good point to bring out. That it this is not just a microchurch issue. Like exactly. There are, you know, local churches, regional churches, yes, mega churches that all deal with this same yeah. the same thing. So we want to give the the practical path for like health, right? Yes, exactly. And, and so, how if someone wanted to start a micro church, mm-hmm. or or they they're hearing about this for the first time and they are interested, this piques their interest, and, yeah. and they're like, "Man, like maybe God is calling me to start a micro church." What yeah.
0: what would be the first thing you would encourage them to do? First thing I encourage you is pray obviously you need to pray and then be accountable to their leadership in their lives because they, you know they whether they're a community church or a mega church or whatever say i hey, sense God may maybe stirring me you know to to plant a church and you know, i'm not sure what that would look like it might be a micro church or maybe a community church I'm not sure but at least get some accountability and, and then work with your leadership and then find a group of people that may have the same kind of thing, kind of thing on their heart right. begin to pray through that i'd encourage getting training you know, and there's many kinds of, there's, you know, there's DMM training, you know, disciples are making moving, uh, you know, movement training. There's many kinds of much of training. Uh, obviously, we have our, our leadership school, the Dove Leadership Ministry School, that trains many microchurch leaders to become microchurch leaders. And also trains leaders to, yeah. to lead all kinds of churches. Sure. Uh, so I, I would do that. And then I, I would encourage, and honestly, if someone hasn't led a small group in a church, it's going to be really hard to lead a microchurch. Right. So, okay. yeah. So be a healthy member of a small group, be an assistant leader, assist a leader in a small group, and then lead a small group, and then multiply a small group, because that's what microchurch leaders will do. The difference is, when you do that within your church, you have the oversight, the accountability of your leadership to help you work through things. When there's things that are too heavy for you, you have someone to go to. Right. But when you're leading a microchurch, you're it. I mean, you are the one responsible for the Lord. Yes, you still have people that you look to in the Lord who oversee you, but really... It starts by doing it in a small group yourself. And I would highly recommend that. So We have a whole bunch of steps in the book, you know, people can go through, obviously. Sure. And that's a, I mean, this book is
1: a really great resource. And and even, you know, for those who say, maybe I'm called to start something like this. And I I know uh, from my own church planning experience that you don't always know what it's going to turn into. That's right. You know, but this is a really good start. Um, you know, you have like the arc model that you're going to start essentially almost like a mega church exactly, right away. Exactly. But then this is another model of church planting where it's very relational, it's very flexible, you know, so you can adapt and adjust to mm-hmm. whatever's happening around. And I think you talk in the book about like elephants and rabbit churches, right? I, I do. What I, What yeah, is that? I, I've heard that analogy several times, but maybe someone listening to the podcast doesn't, uh, ha- has not heard that analogy, but just in terms of multiplication in exactly. terms of like... You know, uh, talk to us about that.
0: Yeah. Well, basically, the rabbit model is that I raise rabbits. I grew up raising rabbits, and uh, their gestation is so quick, and basically, they're (laughs) fertile all the time. And so you have an average of seven babies per pregnancy. You have a one-month gestation period, sexual maturity, four months. So in three years, a rabbit can grow from two rabbits to 476 million rabbits. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) That is crazy. Now, elephants are fertile four times a year. One baby per pregnancy, 22 month gestation period, and maturity 18 years, and in three years will grow from two to three elephants. Wow! Wow! Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting. that's why some of my friends say we need rabbit churches, you know, <laughs> and the, the smaller the smaller churches that focus on making disciples. That's really the key. Merle, there's really nothing is. new under the sun unless disciples are made. I, I tell microchurch people, you just have another meeting. It just might be like a community church meeting or whatever kind. Of, it's just smaller. Yeah. but it's down to making disciples who make disciples who make disciples that's what this whole right. thing's about
1: so um my understanding of of microchurches is that that uh, when you sit down in a, in a microchurch meeting it tends to be more relational there's not really a, a structure of like teaching or preaching i i have this one uh, scenario that i'm thinking of where someone's like i'm going to start a church in my house and what they wound up doing is, now they were a pastor already, they wound up basically creating like a community church environment. Exactly. Apartment. They set chairs up in rows. Exactly. And like the pastor stood at the front and preached for like 40 minutes. It freaks me out, but like, I've seen it. And you know. like, you know, they did worship, you know, and 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 that's okay. Because I think, you know, part of their DNA and part of what God was doing in sure. there was doing that. But that's not necessarily, you know, the model of microchurch that I've seen elsewhere in that, you know, people are sitting around in a circle, they're eating together, yeah. teaching is more conversational.
0: Yeah, it can be a short teaching, but then it's conversational. It's like discovery Bible studies, for example, you know, but there's people having personal ownership into the teaching themselves and sharing what they're learning. And, and then it ends up with obedience. What are you going to do about this? Right. Oh, it's, I love it. And then there's accountability yeah. with that as you come back the next week. Um, so... I, I remember clearly, you know, I mentioned when I, when I was growing up, there weren't many mega churches I mentioned a few right, months ago. Yeah. And I remember clearly what changed that. What changed it was Dr. Young E. Cho came to America. Okay. And he comes to America and he says, if you pray and obey and have cell groups, he said, you can have a big church. And all at once, across America, you know, there were not just community churches and communities, there were soon thousands of mega churches all over the place. Hmm. It wasn't this way 50 years ago. We're all, it wasn't that way. When I was a teenager, wow. there was only a few. But see, I see the same thing happening again today with the microchurch. Hmm. Because in the microchurch now, we see that we it's another model. People right. are used to church, right. They're used to community church, <laughs> but they're not used to microchurch. And you hit it, one of the key differences. And that is, as I said before, we learn by doing. And it's relational and everybody's important. And even in microchurches, we we train microchurch leaders. We tell them, if you have a group more than six people, you should have two groups within your microchurch, two small groups. If two or three gather my name, I'm in the midst, Jesus said. So there's something powerful that happens where everybody is praying, everybody's sharing, everybody's saying, pray for me because I can relate to somebody at work and lead them to Jesus or whatever that looks like. And so, even in the micro church, it's micro churches of. And mean, people say, "How large should they be?" They can be three people, or it could be seventy-five people. Right. I have friends who say <laughs> micro church seventy-five. That seems like a big micro church to me. But, <laughs> but unless we have the small discipleship happening, small group discipleship happening in right. any type of church, that's how we see. Leaders leaders trained. That's right. how we see churches planted. It happens through disciples who make disciples and make disciples and make disciples.
1: It's interesting when you talk about Dr. Young Cho coming and basically just introducing a new model of That's church, right. uh, you know, where everyone was focused on one model. Yeah. And now he comes and introduces another model. Suddenly, you know, they spring up everywhere. Yes. Um, it reminds me of when the five second barrier was broken for the 100 meter dash. Right. It was like, you know, nobody thought it could be broken. And then they raced. Right. And Somebody broke it, and then it was broken several times again that year because it was all of a sudden realizing this is possible. And this, I think, maybe you know what's happening is God is introducing that new, you know, the new model of church in terms of micro church, and I think it's important that we get it right. Yeah. You know, there, there's this this element of getting it right. But talk to me, Larry, about um, churches in other nations, specifically in restricted nations, yeah. and why, you know, I mean, we we definitely see a flourishing of micro church in yes. those environments. We do. But what are some things that we can learn from, you know, countries that might be more open? And I say open, you know, with quotations, know sure, seen, sure. uh, just recent history, um, you know, what what has happened with the coronavirus. Um, and, and so talk, talk to us about that. What, what are some things we can learn from our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in other nations? And then, yeah, you, how how do you see this playing out? Moving forward. Sure,
0: I love to. Uh, I've been in many nations, uh, and again, I don't want to mention a lot of the names of the nations sure. just be- yeah. just because of of uh, people that I've met and I know and and uh, what they face day by day. Uh, but these moves of God in these nations, it's the most amazing thing. They're, they're, it's all micro church, and it's all it's all every every believer realizing they're called by God, Merle, Getting away from the clergy laity mentality, they say Mm -hmm. we're all called by God to make disciples and we can pastor people. And I mean, God using especially women in powerful ways in many of these nations... Uh, who are leading leading you know micro and starting networks and because if, if this keeps growing and multiplying you 'll have a network and then you 'll have networks so like right now, something we 're doing here is that we 're realizing networks must start networks, mm-hmm. and we have a, a couple of new potential networks that are three in fact where, where people are starting new networks, two or three. It, because that, that I believe mean, that's how that works. That's why I see. I've seen overseas. I've seen that in Africa, and I've seen that in Asia, and I've seen that in so many places. And of course, it's all down to the presence of God. It's down to people in love with Jesus. Because when you're facing persecution, I mean, I remember being in a meeting with a group of they called uncles in one country I was in. They were the leaders of the leaders of the. They're the apostolic fathers. A lot of older men, mm. older women. And I remember they each gave a testimony, there's about 90 of them there. They gave a testimony before, I remember, I spoke. And, I mean, I felt so humbled because I thought, what am I doing here? You guys need to teach me. You know, what am I teaching you? They wanted me to speak on how to be a spiritual father, spiritual mother, that deal. But I remember this. As they stood and gave their testimonies of about 90 people, about 95% of them had been in prison for their faith. Wow. Wow. And the ones who didn't were apologizing. He said, "We're so sorry. We've not had the opportunity yet to be in prison for our faith." It just blew my mind, blew me away. Right. And honestly, right. during the time of ministry, I said, "Will you please lay your hands on me and pray for me? Because yeah. you know I need what you have." Yeah. So there's this hunger for God that they have, but they're they're, they're simply taking the scriptures. And they're living out practical Christianity according to the way Jesus trained his disciples and Paul trained his disciples Text 2 Timothy 2.2, find faithful men, you know, and train them to train others also, all that. That's just what they're doing. And, you know, they're they're doing jobs and they're doing all that. And I remember I asked them, I said, you're under persecution now. I said, in the future, if you're not under persecution, uh, I said, well, are you going to do the same thing? He said, oh, yeah, we want to keep doing this regardless of, of what. And I said, well, how do you? I said, do you believe in tithing? And they said, oh, yes. Yeah, good we believe in tithing. We believe in, you tithe in the microchurch, you know. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, we believe in tithing. And he said, and how do you, what do you do with the tithe? Do the pastors of the microchurch use that? He said, oh, no, they laugh. We would never do that. They said, we give that to those who go out and start new microchurches. They're so, the hard moral was so wow. much. How wow. do we see the gospel, you know, continue to expand throughout our province and our nation and in the nation that they're in? So wow. I've learned so much you know about obviously it's all about jesus it's about having a heart for jesus it's about prayer it's about seeking god and being willing to pay the hard price you know in in the midst of persecution at times um so that has definitely is part of the factor but they found a model that was reproducible Right. it's a reproducible model that you don't have to have a large church staff to fulfill and again, i be very clear. I make the mega churches, God uses powerfully, community churches. But also, this new micro church network thing is just springing up alongside these other churches. Yeah. So, back to young Yi Cho, and he came here to America and Canada, and especially America, and he taught us you know, prayer. I mean, we had him. We had him. He, he, we were so humbled. He actually came here to Lancaster County. Mm. We had him speak at a conference one time. Mm-hmm. And he just basically spoke about the simplistic things of prayer, having small groups, making disciples, these basic things. Yeah. Uh,
1: so churches is one way to get everybody involved yes, in the harvest. it, it is. And, and again, that I love. That's you
0: know, I and I do, too. And, and I'm very aware that a lot of this can happen through small groups, small groups, life groups, and I think that's fantastic. Sure. Uh, but some yeah. people would just have a heart for this model just like some people have a heart, you know, for, as I said before, for homeschool or Christian school or public school. Or the the other analogy I've used a lot is that very few people go to buy, buy milk at a big box store like Target or whatever or Walmart or whatever, they just get milk down the street at a little store, okay? Right, right. But, but so, and some people, they love going to these big box stores. That's like a, you know, that's like a, a mega church. Right. Some just love, you know, they, their heart would be just to go next door and go get a- Go to the local grocery yeah, store. Local or grocery store, down the street, whatever, and yeah. that's great. That's fine. That's yeah. their preference. It's yeah. preference, personal preference. Yeah. And, and then uh, others, they like to go to big shopping malls, all these little stores. These little stores and shopping malls. So if they can't find one store, they go and go to another store. That's kind of like the microchurch. They're small. They, you know, they connect together. That's yeah. why a microchurch by itself. Does not work. Micro churches must be connected, right. either to a network okay. or a network together with other leaders in the body of Christ. Talk to me about the different
1: <clears throat> models of micro churches that you sure. have observed, and yeah. just you know, uh, some practical ideas. Just you know, how have you seen this work out? Have you you seen this flesh out with people that you know, people sure. that you know that's doing it? You know, because. Does I mean we? <laughs> one size never fits all, right? That is but true. like, what, like, so talk about the different sizes. Talk about you. the different ways that, that you've you. observed I mean, and seen. I
0: it and I'm well. going to be very broad here, but there's basically two different kinds of micro that I see. When people start micro Number okay. one is somebody, and they have this heart for God, and they love their church, but they're saying, "God, call me something new." And I've got these friends at work, whatever. We're in a relationship, but they're not involved in any church. It's kind of like the new wine skins for the new wine. They need a new model. They need a new wine. Skin. And they say, for whatever reason, they don't fit into other churches in our community. And they start a new wineskin. They start a new church. That's one way. So they're starting with
1: people who are not saved or just recently got saved, but they wouldn't necessarily come into an
0: existing church. Or it's people who made a commitment to Christ somewhere along the line, but haven't found a local church that connects with them for whatever reason. Okay. Okay. So they got a group of people, they come together, and they start, you know, a group like that. There's another way to do it, and that's like, again, without getting into detail, like the disciple making movements, franks, mm-hmm. et etc. where yeah. you just ask God for a man of peace, a woman of peace, yeah. and you believe God to, to see that person come to Christ, and when they come to Christ, then they got their whole oikos, so to speak, as mm-hmm. we call it, their whole family, friends, relatives, yeah. and, and they can come to, come to Christ. And in other countries, I See this happens a lot, and really right. a lot, in Merle. Yeah. And so they come to the Lord, and then they they don't they don't bring people to your house. You start another house, another place with this person of peace. Yeah. So there's many ways this can work, and it's not one size fits all at all. But it's it's recognizing how God is moving among the small. We often think the big is better. It's not necessarily often the small is better. I love the big, and right. I love the small. I love the midsize. But it's realizing we're called to make disciples, and you can only really do that a one-on-one, one and one, one 2 in a small group setting.
1: So as a father to, you know, the church at large, I mean, yes. you, you fulfill that role for so many people and just, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of right size the different uh, aspects and what different size churches bring to the table. So you have the, you know, the mega church, you have the community church, you have yes. the microchurch. Yes. And, and really, you know, part of this discussion is, is really saying, Hey, here is another model. Yes. So what is it that the, the mega church mm-hmm. can bring to an area? Cause we talked about, sure. I, I mean, I often think about the analogy, you know, with the rabbit churches and the right, elephant churches. Right. And, you know, the, th- the thing is, you know, r- elephants do last longer, <laughs> They I mean, do. Yeah. you know, I mean, they, they tend to have a, a, a longer lifespan. They, they can, you know, weather, their drought a little bit and there's certain things that, that mega churches can do that micro churches can Exactly, sure Let, and and vice versa. So let's, you know, give sure. give some credence to every I'd love to. To every
0: uh, I would love to. style of church. Well, I find a mega church has authority in a community just because of their size. Okay, and I find uh, they have a, a authority, you know, a spiritual authority, uh, you know, to pray for leaders in other realms, whether it's governmental leaders or whatever. And there's just a sense of stability that that brings, I think, to a community, uh, a megachurch. And there's some people, honestly, are kind of afraid they want to be don't want to be too found out. They can go and hide in the megachurch for a while, and eventually get really right with God and really find fulfillment. And I think so. I think there's a real place for a megachurch, personally. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're under persecution. You can and obviously right? you can't do that. Obviously, sure. yeah. But I think there's there's a place for mega church, and uh, again, I feel like we had we were able to help. I mean, have loads of programs and things to help people. We were a mega church. I mean, we had stuff for everybody because we had the finance, we had the people, we had the power to do that. So right. I think that's a good thing. Uh, the community community church. Most I find most people today probably love the community church uh, because they feel like we're a family. You're know, extended family, and we might be 100 people, 200 people, whatever, um, and and they feel like, well, let's just plan another church of our size and do it that way, right. and, and they really connect with the local community because the the mega church is often a regional church. It's people from people drive. We had people driving an hour or two to come, you know, when we when I was a mega church pastor, but that, that hardly ever happens. Hardly ever when you're a smaller church, right. uh, when you're a community church. But I mean, God honors community churches, the people in the sure. community. And if it's in this town, it's going to affect that town and focus on that town. So it's more focus on the local community, which I think is fantastic. I think it's great. And then the microchurch, obviously, I think has the 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 possibility of starting the rabbit play we talked about because it has to do more with multiplication, it has to do with training leaders, it has to do with using people. More people can be used. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't have the overhead that the other type of churches have. So it
1: winds being more flexible leadership exactly. development. Can, exactly. You
0: know, can, yeah, and they're all can, good, and they're all God. And, that, and, and I get in trouble sometimes among my church pastor friends when I talk about microchurches, and I say, this is God, God's doing this, you know, and they're not sure about that. And then I'm with the microchurch people, and they say, yeah, but the other churches, they don't know what they Yes, they do. Don't speak against God's bride. He loves his bride, mm-hmm. regardless of the style and the type uh, of church it is. Yeah, okay. So how can we get your book? How can All right. Microchurch Networks, the Church for a New Generation, can be gotten obviously on Amazon. It's Audible, by the way. Uh, oh, absolutely. also, yeah, it is. You can get the audio books. Uh, yep. And uh, so basically, uh, you check out the links at the show notes below, and you can find out how to get that okay. to Amazon or many other ways, Dev Store, and many other ways. well thank you today for being here, and kind of picking my brain on this. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I, as you know, I've such, I know you as a pastor. You have such a love for the body of Christ, just a love for the church yeah. of many different flavors, many different styles. Yeah. And um, so thank you for doing that. I think a key leadership principle we can learn is that it's not one size fits all. It's helping every person find that which fits them, Mm -hmm. how they can be most fulfilled in all that God has given them. So good. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today on the Larry Credit Leadership Podcast, where, again, we learn those small things that can make huge differences in our life and leadership and ministry. And God bless you. Have an amazing day in the Lord. Thank you for listening to Larry Crider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small, group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryCrider.com.